I have written a TV show. I've written eight episodes, all right, of a limited series. This is breaking news. Yeah, it is breaking news. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> you just put the feel. Your agents are jerking off right now in the other room. <laughs> they were like, he does? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Well, you guys know he's had a uh, quintuple bypass. He had his uh, kidney transplant. I know he just got um, his, uh, uh, what are they called? When, when you, you're amputated, you get the prosthetics. They're fit in for him now. Um, so, Bert, um, I hope all that is going well. Sitting in for Bert today is our good buddy, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you're you. sitting in for Bert, man. Oh, uh, wait, you mean the Hitler guy? The Hitler guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sitting yeah. in his seat. Yeah. Sitting in his <laughs> yeah. ass print is, is right like there. molding. Uh, yeah. Yep, that, his yeah. ass might be a little bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's much bigger than yours. Um, real, uh, also want to point out you have a new book out, mm-hmm. Cinema Speculation. Right I told you I have begun the audiobook. Mm-hmm. I think I might switch. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, your stock, your stock went way down when yeah, you said yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Probably wasn't the really best way to say sorry, hello. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to let you know that I was actually consuming the material. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, you, you know, you like movies so much, you make me feel like I maybe don't like movies. Uh, <laughs> because, like, I always thought I like movies. Then I hear you talk, and I'm like, what the fuck, man? But you were exposed to, like, such a. I mean, this book is like a dive into mm-hmm. your, you know, your, how you've. How I grew up. Grew up. Um, because everybody, I think, fans of you, of of movies in general, kind of knew the story of Quentin worked in a video store. Yeah, yeah. And he really likes movies. Mm-hmm. And then we and, and I've seen you in interviews, mm-hmm. cite, you know, refer to other movies from the past. Like, it was clear yeah. that you were a, yeah, yeah, a yeah. real fan a of cinema. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a cinephile. But this gets you in from, like, the beginning. Like, how, how yeah. you... As a kid, you were being taken mm-hmm. by your mother and going to movies all the time. Well, it was interesting because when I first came up with the idea to write the book, the idea was more or less just uh, um, uh, a book of film analysis. Mm-hmm. So I would pick a, uh, you know, my idea I thought was like I pick a few films and then I would write about them, and uh, that was you know, that was just kind of more or less uh, the idea. I wasn't expecting it to be quite as autobiographical as as it became but i figured it would be autobiographical to some degree yeah because if you're writing about movies personally then you end up telling about yourself in it i mean sure. one of my favorite critics is pauline kale and they asked her uh would she ever write her autobiography and she goes no i i've written my autobiography in every one of my reviews it's just kind of spread out oh interesting so i kind of figured that would be the case but then i ended up writing the first chapter and i think that was my attempt to try to write a, an introduction mm-hmm. to the book and which you know uh, details uh, you know me in sixty nine seventy seventy one being taken to a bunch of these new Hollywood films by my parents when uh, you know I was seven and eight and nine, and when I finished that chapter, it was like I was aware enough thing. Okay, well that's a that's a pretty good chapter. All right, that's not an introduction. That's that's chapter one. Yeah. And then once I wrote that chapter, I realized okay, this is the book now. This is the yeah, book. Now I'm going to still a- I'm going to still continue on doing. Uh, 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 writing about different films, but now all of a sudden it had a structure sure. that it didn't have before. They all had to be movie. You know, since I was writing about having seen uh, uh, seen them at a young age, um, they all had uh, all the movies I wrote about. I had to have seen then. 
Right. I okay. had to have seen in the 70s. Not something you saw later. Yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing I discovered later yeah. down the line, you know. Uh, and whether or, not I, I, you know uh, whether or not I discuss what it was like seeing it at 12 or 13 or 15, uh, you know, uh, that remains to be seen. All right. But they all had to come from that area. Uh, they all had, I had, I had to see it from there. And, uh, and that kind of became the umbilical cord. Mm-hmm. that carry through the book leading to the last chapter, which is like the first chapter, another autobiographical movie watching thing that kind of takes me up to that point right. in my life. Yeah. I mean, it's like you, you're, you have like this um, savant like ability. Mm-hmm. I think when you talk about films, mm-hmm. like you can just cite movies and like, I think, I don't know, you growing up in this time frame uh-huh. was the, probably the best thing for the filmmaker that we know today. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it was a different era, we, you'd be a different guy. Yeah, no, 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 I'm, uh, absolutely. And there also is just this kind of really neat thing about the fact that, um, you know, if you go through the, the timeline of, uh, of Mark Harris's book, which is Pictures of the Revolution, that kind of talked about the beginning of New Hollywood, it kind of officially starting, even though old Hollywood still was dominant in 67 mm-hmm. with The Graduate and, and Bonnie and Clyde and those movies coming out in the heat of the night. Uh, so if that's the beginning of the revolution and 68 and 69 are the, are the years that the Revolutionary War between old Hollywood and new Hollywood was fought, then 1970 would be the year that the revolution was won. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that all coincides with yeah. me first going to the movies. Right. My very first experience going to the movies. So my first, you know, just me even knowing what a movie is and just kind of putting it all together is coinciding with like the greatest period of, of, of motion pictures in the history of the, of, 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 the of America. Yeah. 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 Now I heard you, cause I heard you do this phenomenal breakdown of like why I believe eighties movies yeah, yeah, uh-huh. sucked. Mm-hmm. And then we got, but what Especially do you, by comparison, by comparison, 70s, yeah. yes. What's your analysis of, or your thought on current state of cinema? <laughs> It makes the 80s look fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy. As terrible as the 80s was. Now, we never had it so good by comparison. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like most things come out and you're like, this is dog shit. I know we can't like shit on everybody who works on every film, even though that'd be fun. But there's so many bad movies. Like movies are so bad. Well, you know, it's. uh, uh, Yeah. And look, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm. I'm not here as a, a filmmaker to throw any rocks at any know, current any current movies, but uh, no, I, it does seem like we're li- we're living um, we're living through another uh, repressive time uh-huh. when it comes to cinema. Uh, you know, the first really big repressive time was the '50s. Then we skipped a generation with the '60s. Even the yeah. first half of the '60s was basically just the '50s part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but then we got the '70s, and then they had, then the pendulum had to swing, swing back again right. for the '80s, and then the pendulum swung the other way again for the '90s. I mean, who? I mean, I lived through the '90s making movies in the '90s. I didn't consider the '90s the '70s part two, but right. it was. It was in retrospect. It was. Yeah. Well, in retrospect, it yeah. absolutely was. I didn't think about it then. Right. Uh, and then, uh, uh, and you know, now the pendulum has 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 swung this way again. Uh, so I'm just waiting for the pendulum to swing back. To, yeah, me too. You know, uh, I just as a fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what I have to ask you about because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a, like I said a fan. Um, so one thing I never had, you know, I always love so much in your movies mm-hmm. is your writing, mm-hmm. like just oh, like how yeah. you know dialogue and mm-hmm. the stories are so original and they're so fun and. You know, I saw Pulp Fiction when it came out in, in theaters mm-hmm. and I was in fucking, 
I don't know. I think I was a freshman and I was 14. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> a freshman in high school? But, yes, mm-hmm. in high school. Um, and one thing I was always curious about was what was the reception of that script like originally when you, like, was it celebrated as a, oh my God, like, they, could they see what this movie would be? Or was it like, this is crazy, dude? You know, like, yeah, and, and, and I'll, uh, uh, no, it, it uh, no, it wasn't actually. Um, it wasn't celebrated, or it wasn't. It was. It it it, it, uh, it it wasn't the situation where like the whole industry was like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Okay, okay. Uh, <clears throat> and they're, they're lining up to do it. it uh, uh, because, as a matter of fact, it was uh, we had a, a deal to make the movie mm-hmm. at TriStar. Mm-hmm. At the time, because I did it through Danny DeVito's uh, uh, production company, uh, Jersey Films, and they had a setup situation at uh, at TriStar, and so um, you know, and they paid me a lot of money to write the script. So uh, I hand in the script, and then uh, uh, Mike Medavoy and all his uh, TriStar executives, and then the uh, 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 the Danny DeVito Jersey Films executives, we all get together to have a big meeting about it. So we're in this big conference room and whatever. And it becomes fairly clear, Mike Medavoy is not really into it. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you know, to give him, uh, um, uh, to explain explain it with him a little bit, which by the way, uh, was sort of uh, throwing me a bit for a loop for the simple fact that, you know, I wanted to work of all the studios, he was the one that I wanted to work with that I maybe trusted the studio the most because Mike Medavoy used to run Orion. And mm-hmm. I loved the Orion. history yeah. of Orion movies. I thought they were fantastic. And, you know, I thought he was really, uh, uh, um, you know, he, he, I, I, I thought he was a great executive. And he was a great executive. All right. But it was towards the end of his little tenure. But the thing about it, though, was uh, uh, he had just gone to, like, a retreat that... Bill Clinton was having with people in in Hollywood and the media and pop culture. I might be misrepresenting this slightly, but but it was something like that. Okay. And Clinton was haranguing the Hollywood people about the violence in movies. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was haranguing them about the violence in movies. He was haranguing them about uh, permissive drug use and then just I mean Frankly, it's fucking strange, all right? You yeah. know, all the things you would imagine the right wing would be haranguing, sure. okay? Clinton was guilting. Uh, uh, hey, guys, all, let's tone it down. Yeah, all his big Hollywood supporters about sure. this. And, like, I think, like, really kind of scolding them. Mm-hmm. So Mike Medavoy comes back from that and Please. reads Pulp Fiction. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just sort of, you know, he's kind of not yeah down it. with the whole thing okay uh, you know and then none of his yes men or yes women are 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 are, are disagreeing to him are disagreeing with him and so uh i remember the conversation and this is not to goof on him we've, we've, we're, we're you know we're, we're we're friendly whenever we bump into each other i'm glad it worked out the way it worked out um but the thing about it though is i remember uh one of the things is uh so he's he's going through a list yeah of the grueling things, or what he considers the grueling things in the movie. Uh-huh. There's quite a few of those, if that's your criteria. Yeah. So he's going through, you know, and so, I mean, he's descri- it sounds like he's describing Ken Russell's The Devils or something. I mean, you know, not this comedy all right, that I wrote. Yeah. And um, 
so when he gets to the end of it, you know, uh, I go, well, Mike, did you think it was funny? <laughs> he goes, well, what do you mean? It's a comedy. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you think it was funny? Well, I, I, I guess a little, you know, I go, well, it's a comedy, man. And then we go, we talk a little bit more and a little bit more. And he goes, well, you know, Quentin, you say it's a comedy. Uh, and I'm watching the lead character shoot up heroin. And I really doubt that the audience is going to think that, 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 that that's funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe not that moment, but I guarantee you, people are going to laugh. This is a... a I'm guaranteeing you. Yeah. This will get, not that moment per se, even though that actually moment does get a laugh. Sure. Where you get, when John gets that smile on his face, you know, the heroine's work and the whole audience giggles. Sure. At that point. But it was just like, you know, he just didn't get it. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. But, but, you know, but, you know, I have to say though, there was an interesting thing though. There was something I was always curious about. And I give him credit for giving me the answer to this. There was something I was always curious about, and I was able to, to finally ask somebody who knew, who could give me the right kind of answer. And, 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 he, and, uh, uh, and, he, and he gave me the answer, um, even if it made him look a little bad. He gave, me the, he gave me the honest answer. So one of the things is, I, I think on the internet, there's a thing floating around about uh, uh, my wish list of the cast Okay. For pulp fiction. Okay. It's kind of floating around as, uh, and it, it, it's not, um, it, uh, it's not, that's not really what it was. Uh, okay. the, this list that's floating around. What that was, I remember my agent telling me, okay, well, here's the thing, Quinn, what you want to do is you want the studio to sign off on, on the, th- on the yeah. things that you want. Okay. So if they sign off on it, then, you know, anything on that list you have permission to do. Now, if they don't sign on of it, then you have to negotiate it and you have to talk to them about it. But anything like that, uh, but anything that they finally agree to, you're good with. So then I took a, a, and I didn't know exactly who I wanted to play this part or that part or this part or that part. And so, uh, you know, so I wrote a giant list with a ton of names. I wanted to get them all pre-approved. Sure. And I didn't know if it's going to work out, if I would like, vibe yeah. with the person or if they would even do a good job, but I wanted to get them approved. So in case I did, you know. Uh, and this is an ambitious list, right? Your sec- yeah, yeah. This is your second film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so this, it's ambitious that who you ended up doing it without even knowing what your list was. Yeah, yeah. It's, and but you know, So it's kind of all over the place, but that was kind of the idea. I wanted to be yeah. able to explore it and go all over the place. But then I'm also really... Uh, um, very opinionated. So it's sort of like something like, uh, 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 um, I think for like for pumpkin and honey bunny, for instance, mm-hmm. I think it was one of those things where, uh, okay. So for pumpkin, we will offer the movie to Tim Roth. Mm-hmm. If Tim Roth turns it down, we will offer it to Christian Slater. And this is how you're pitch- You're telling them this. Well, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's written on the list. Uh-huh. And if uh, we, uh, 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 and if he turns it down, we will offer it to Johnny Depp. And I think it was the same thing with uh, uh, Alabama. So you know, we will offer it to Amanda Plummer. If she turns it down, we'll offer it to uh, uh, Patricia Arquette, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so. Um, so Can I ask you before you answer yeah, this though, before uh-huh. you take it further, is it considered at the time, to, are you shooting too high or, or is it like perfectly normal for you to be 
targeting these this talent at the time. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, 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 no, they could have done it. It's perfectly reasonable. No, I was no, it was. I was, I was a real hip cat. Okay. After okay. Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Well, yeah. Of yeah. Course, actors of course. were really looking. So you know, it was reasonable. I'm saying. Oh no no no! Yeah. I could you know it, it, no if I you know uh, uh, especially if I was offering him the uh, the John Travolta role. Sure. Uh, 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 Johnny Depp would have, would, you know, would have totally read the script. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying he would have said yes, right, you right. know, but uh, they would have sure. considered it. Sure. Okay. And so, um, uh, and, you know, and also I'm working with the studio. This is like a big studio. All right. I got a studio behind me. This is not a little independent mm-hmm. outfit. So, uh, so uh, uh, Mike Metavoy is looking at the list and goes, okay, well, let me just uh, look at this list here. What you say? Okay. Let me give you what, how the order I would go. I mean, Tim Roth is a very fine actor, and I know you just worked with him uh, on Reservoir Dogs, so I'm sure that there's a connection and a loyalty there. However, the order I would go in is we would offer it to Johnny Depp mm-hmm. first. And then if he turns it down, then we would offer it to Christian Slater. And if he turns it down, I would find somebody else other than Tim Roth to <laughs> offer it to. And then if we can't do that, then Tim Roth. And I go, okay, Mike, let me ask you a question. This is a question I've been dying because I've heard about, I've heard these kind of stories before as far as Hollywood is concerned. And I, I, I've, always had a, I've always had a question about this and I, maybe you can answer it. Do you think Johnny Depp playing the role of Pumpkin in this movie, which is the opening scene and the closing scene, that's it. Do you think that will add that much to the box office take, him playing that role? And Mike Medavoy said, it won't add a dime. It would make me feel better, though. And that summarizes how most studio executives are, yeah. essentially. Right? Yeah, it's like, oh, we're doing chancy material. However, if I get these big name actors then I'll, to I'll, sign a board, okay, well, that's a, 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 a that gives us something to sell. Yeah. That gives us something to sell. And also we have compadres yeah. on this. They're, they like it. They're responding to well, it. They give us a bit of cover. Yeah. And then uh-huh. I get to, as the studio executive, yeah. I get to go... Well, I did a pretty reasonable thing. That's ex- no that, and that's exactly I it. If it, if it all blows up, hey, I did my best. Yeah, I got Johnny Depp. In yeah, here. I got Johnny yeah. Depp. I yeah. got so I got Patricia Arquette. I got Jennifer Jason Lee doing yeah. this yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I I covered my ass the best I could. How was um, casting? Because I've always, I mean, you know, the film is obviously an incredible film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Willis, yeah, yeah. he's so he's great. He's so great in it. Right, um, yeah. Was that? Was it like a, he read it just yes? Or was it like uh Well, that was an interesting, no, that was, that was a, that ended up being a very interesting story. I mean, we weren't going out to Bruce Willis. I mean, that just seemed, I mean, especially at that time, I mean, he was one of the top five, if not even three biggest stars yeah. in, in the world. Yeah. It's a surprise when he, like, when you first see the film, you're like, Bruce Willis isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you get shocked almost. Absolutely. You know, and you know, I mean, he was definitely popular in America, but I mean, you go to Korea or and like, no, he's, he, he's the man. He's the man. Yeah. yeah. And so um, what happened was uh, I originally wrote the part for Matt Dillon because Matt Dillon was a, 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 was a fan of my script for Reservoir Dogs. And, and and part of the thing though, so okay, so TriStar is long, long since gone. We've made the deal with Merrimax. 
and part of the thing about Merrimax was, uh, what was the deal? Uh, 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 we needed, a, we have an ensemble cast, but we needed a Merrimax, a one, one, at least one approved, if not two approved Merrimax actors okay. in the cast. And then from that point on, okay, you can cast anybody you want, as long as they had one of their, you know, uh, somebody they considered a name that they could sell. And so Matt Dillon kind of fell into the name category that they would, they would accept. Okay. So, uh, so I wrote it for Matt and it kind of seemed like it was going to be easy peasy getting him. But uh, he read it and he, he wasn't so sure. He wasn't so sure. He wasn't so sure about it. He wow. liked it, but he wasn't quite so sure. He was disturbed by the fact that there wasn't actually like, he wanted to see Butch actually boxing. You know, he was really, uh, I, I, I want to see the fight. Um, and, and there's even a little bit, maybe he didn't a hundred percent get it. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, um, but, uh, and I think, oh, uh, oh, 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 and this happened a lot. Okay. And he didn't want to play that part. He wanted to play the Vincent character. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, that was, that, that was almost all the way down the line. Anytime I offered somebody a part, they wanted to play somebody else. Sure. Um, and so, um, so he didn't say no, but he didn't say yes. So, so he, he still has to think about it. Okay. And. That was a little scary because I thought I had I thought he was in the bag. Right. And with him in the bag, I had a I had a go movie. Okay. And now all of a sudden I didn't have such a go movie anymore. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm like, holy shit. So in anyway, in the meantime, uh Harvey Cattell, who's in the movie, uh, and he was one of the guys, so I had him. Uh it was, you know, he, he was shooting in town. When he was shooting in town, he'd usually uh, uh, rent a house in Malibu. And so he would invite friends to come over for the weekend and, and, and hang out. Jesus. And uh, so, like, I came over and I'm hanging out at, 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 at Harvey's place. And then, well, it turns out that Bruce Willis was only living about three or four or five houses down the way. Okay. And so I come over to Harvey's and I'm there and, and some other people are there. And there's Bruce Willis. I've never met him before. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he is a huge fan of Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Huge fan. And like, like he goes like, if I had read Reservoir Dogs, I would have been in Reservoir Dogs. I would have, I would have agreed to do it, you know. Um, and he goes, that's well, it's one of my favorite, me and my buddies watch it a bunch of times. We know the dialogue by heart. We, we do the dialogue with uh -huh. each other. Wow, that's it's awesome. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was one of those situations where, uh, uh, he told Harvey that, you know, sometime earlier, you know, earlier, you know, a couple of days earlier. And he goes, well, you know, you should look at a, a, a Quentin's got a new script out there. Might be something you might like in it. And then he's going to be coming by on Sunday, you know, to hang out. So if you want to say hello to him, you know, that would be a good time. And that's exactly what Bruce did. So Bruce called up his agent. Hey, get me that damn uh, Tarantino script. I want to read it. So little did I know he had already read Pulp Fiction by the time I show up at Harvey's house that Sunday. And so we're all having a good time and we're all talking. And then he goes, uh, hey, uh, Quentin, uh, take a walk with me. I want to take you to my house. I want to uh, introduce you to Demi. All right, uh, let's take a walk to my place. So we're taking a nice walk along the beach. He goes, so look, I, uh, I read your script. What, Reservoir Dog? No, 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 the new one, Pulp Fiction. Wow, I mean, that blew my mind. Yeah. All right. And, uh, and he goes, um, yeah, so... Uh, um, uh, I want to play Vincent. 
because I want to play Vincent. I go, well, uh, I kind of have a John Travolta uh, set up to play for for Vincent, and um, and so he goes, well, well, John's great. John's terrific. John's good. John's good. Uh, so we keep talking a little bit more, and he goes, okay, well, here's the deal then. Um, okay, John is a good Vincent, and I wouldn't want to fuck him up. All right, so okay. Uh, his agent later tried to throw his, John Travolta under the bus. All right. <laughs> That's a good he, agent. He didn't. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think even, I even remember what his agent said. <laughs> he goes, okay, Quinn, um, I just want to just put this out to you that uh, when your movie comes out, the last movie Bruce will have done that will be released and he named some big Bruce Willis movie sure. that like grossed $300 million or something. Uh, that will be the last movie that Bruce had done uh -huh. when your movie comes out. The last movie, the star of your movie, John Travolta will have done will be Look Who's Talking 3. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, he's not a bad agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what they do, man. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so then all of a sudden Bruce goes, uh, uh, I guess, okay, well, how about this? Um, what if I play Jules? And I go, well, obviously. Because look, I know he's black. I know he's black. Face but, paint. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the yeah. Sam Reams, the, yeah. the, the, the Sam Jackson Sam character. Jackson, no, I know. I'm saying face paint. You can yeah, just yeah, paint yeah. Yeah, he goes, look, I know the character's black, but, but uh, you know, but it's more like just... You know, but he could just be a hipster dude, you know? And, sure. And I, I could do that dialogue because like, that's the kind of, that's the way me and my friends talk with each other. Sure. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, so you could make him a white guy and I could just be this hipster dude with uh -huh. John. And, and I'm telling you, the, 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 you know, you know, uh, you know, that's the way Bruno talks. All right. Yeah, Bruno talks like that. Hard sell for this part, man. Yeah. And, okay, so, and that was the real hard decision well so that's real pressure at that time i mean for you right because you, yeah. you have one of the top three movie stars in the world being like i will do this yes exactly exactly and it's like You're okay like, so I've, I've, I've already said no once before yeah to push somebody else and now he's offering me one more bite of the apple to get his full attention and his full commitment uh -huh. to this movie and the movie needs it i mean it's just you know it's like winning the fucking lottery yeah getting but it's not right. It's just not right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I told him that, well, you know, the part that would be fantastic for you is, is Butch. And, and uh, this so is right in that moment. You tell him that? Well, well I, you know, I let him know. Okay. I let him know. Okay. So then finally I go, okay, well, let me think. Okay. Well, that would be a big, big change. Let me think about it. Let me think about it and let me call you tomorrow. Okay. So I think about it all night long and finally I, I realized, look, it, it, I, I just can't make, I can't, so I call him up and I tell him and I'm kind of telling him how it's not going to work. And he goes, hey, Quinn, it's all okay. Let me take you off the hook. I get it. I understand. You wrote the character for a black guy. You want a black guy. I get it. I get it. I go, okay, but you know, Bruce, yes, but I think you should be in this movie. You, you understand it. You get the script. You get my sense of humor. I think you should be in the movie. Now, you... You naturally were attracted to the Vincent character, and then you were naturally attracted to the Jules character. There is a third lead here that I think you would be perfect for. And one of the reasons I think you would be perfect for Butch is 
I see him as like a 50s leading man. I mean, he could be a star from a 50s movie. Yeah. And like the actors that I think of when I think of uh, uh, the character of Butch is more like actors from the 50s, like a Ralph Meeker or an Aldo Ray or a Brian Keith or somebody like that. I would ask you, you've, you've had your mindset on other people, on other characters. I would just ask you to read the script one more time with the idea of you playing Butch. And if you don't respond, fine. But I would just ask you to read it one more time with the other characters out of your head and with that character on your plate. And then if you, and if, if you don't respond, you don't respond. And he goes, okay, I'll do that. I can do that. I'll do that tonight. Call me tomorrow. And so he did that. And then I called him the next day and he said, Quentin, the shortest sentence in the Bible is Jesus wept. The shortest sentence in Hollywood is I'm in and I'm in. Wow. <laughs> Dude, that's an awesome story. Yeah, yeah, he was a great guy. He's, he is a great guy. Yeah. That's a, wow. What an incredible get for yeah, the film. I mean, it, yeah. it was, it opened up everything. It opened up everything. And I mean, it, it, especially how successful the movie ended up being overseas. Sure. That is a direct result of Bruce Willis' participation. How were you dialed in? I know you've been asked, but I don't know. How were you dialed in on Travolta for Vincent? Why, what, like, how, do, how was that clear to you? I was just always a big fan. You were just always a no, big I, fan. No, I thought it was, I thought it was a damn shame that he wasn't as big a star as he, as, as, as he used to be. Yeah. And I thought Hollywood was full of shit, all right, yeah. for not understanding it. And it was even one of those things where it was like, uh, <coughs> at that time, John Travolta was kind of almost the epitome of, of you know, I guess what you would cruelly call a has-been. Mm -hmm. But then I would go out with him and people would lose their fucking minds. We would walk in, we walk down the street and people like, you know, drive down, hey, Johnny, hey, yeah. Barberino, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, they would just like scream shit at him all the time as he, as we're walking down like La Cienega or something. Yeah. I, I took him to like a Ed DeBevix because I go, oh, this is kind of as close to uh, Jackrabbit Slim's kind of places mm -hmm. that exist. So, so you just get an idea of what these weird places or at least 50s, what these weird 50s joints are like. And I take him in there. The whole restaurant just lost their fucking mind. Uh -huh. They actually had to put us into another section of the restaurant and keep everybody away. Yeah. And then even like walking outside, like some tourist family were like, ah, just, I, it was, it was crazy. And it was just like, this guy's a superstar. It's yeah. only stupid Hollywood who doesn't realize it. Yeah. The public absolutely thinks he's a star. Just put him in something worth seeing yeah. and they'll go. Wow. So you, man, that's incredible that you mm -hmm. could see it. Yeah. Um, all right. This is one where I, um, I love this, the, these, these two little details in the scene. And I wonder if there was an origin for this. And that is in, in glorious bastards. Mm -hmm. There's, there's this, uh, character who he has, he's, I think he's supposed to be English and he has German parents. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he speaks fluent German, German, yeah. albeit with a subtle accent. And yeah. the reason I think that this resonates so much with me mm -hmm. is when you have a foreign parent, mm -hmm. your ear gets tuned mm -hmm. to these little details yeah. about accents yeah, yeah, uh -huh. that, uh, that people with an untrained ear don't like, even like if you, if you don't have a foreign, like in other words, if you're American and you speak English, you can hear somebody speak English mm -hmm. and go like, where are you from? Like I have a friend, mm -hmm. you know, who he, um, he can, when, for one of the first times we spoke and I met him, mm -hmm. 
there's Michael. Um, and we're, we're talking and I was like, where are you from? And he says, so he says like, you know, Washington or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're from Washington. I go, your accent. So strange. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I was born in Estonia. And oh, I came okay, over yeah. when I was 10. I was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, man, that's you why yeah, you learned to talk. Yeah. yeah, there, yeah I go, yeah. that's why you don't know that your accent's fucking weird as fuck uh -huh. when you talk. Yeah. So in the movie, what, what? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think uh, uh, Archie Hickok's act, accent is weird. No, as no, it's fuck. not. It's All not. Right. It's, it's not. just I'm, not as dramatic as the no, Nazis. I was, just, <laughs> I was making the, the point about my yeah. friend. Is your beer fridge feeling a little empty? DoorDash is your door to beer without the run. Whatever drink you're in the mood for, they've got you. Order your alcohol with DoorDash today and drink in the savings. Use code BEARS24 to get 25% off, up to $15 value on a $35 minimum subtotal on your next alcohol order for eligible users only. I mean, there's like sometimes you just don't want to leave. That's me. Once we're at a spot and we're hanging out, I just don't want to leave. And now you don't have to. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. Beer, wine, mixers, mocktails, and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25%, up to $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code BEARS24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, more like wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. We use Mint Mobile at the office, and we have been saving so much money since switching over, and setting up on Mint Mobile's website was super easy. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com bears. That's mintmobile.com slash bears cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash bears $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 per month new customers on first three months plan only speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details but what I notice as a, a child of a mm -hmm. foreign parent yeah, yeah. is that you really get dialed. So like my mother speaks Spanish, right? She's yeah, from yeah, Peru. Yeah. And then you grow up and you start to note some, like your ear gets tuned mm -hmm. to people speaking Spanish. Yeah, yeah, right. And on. you can start going, you start identifying well, countries. No, yeah, exactly. You know? it's the, di the difference between Argentina Absolutely. and Peru, the difference between Mexico and, Cuba. and Spain. Yeah, yeah, Spain. Cuba, yeah. And then you can start to note um, how children of those yeah, uh -huh. parents, how how good the child's Spanish is. In other words, in my case, the Spanish is. So you'll be like, mm -hmm. oh, yours is really off. Yours is really good. But then your mm -hmm. ear can pick up on just like the slightest little detail. Yeah, uh -huh. And that theme of that scene, like mm -hmm. that it yeah, drives yeah. it, fascinated me. I was like, yeah. oh, this is like, this is something I felt very much like I related to. And mm -hmm. I was wondering if the origin of that or what that was for you, like why you dialed in on the fact that this well, it's is just that's just the reality of what would the case would be. But where I came up with that concept yeah. of that scene in the first place was uh, I've seen a ton of World War II uh, cloak and daggery kind of movies where some um, um, 
uh, we always see them. We're like a, a couple Americans that speak German uh-huh. and speak apparently speak German perfectly. Yes, right? and they put on Nazi uniforms and they go to they'd go to Nazi restaurants and they go to Nazi bars yeah. and they're able to hang out at general, general ch- chateaus with other generals and, yeah. and uh, completely, have a good pa- time. completely pass themselves off. No worries. And we see that in Dirty Dozen uh, with uh, Lee Marvin and, and, and Charles Bronson dressed up as uh, officers go to that chateau where mm-hmm. all the other generals are hanging out. And it's also, uh, you know, really played a big in where Eagles Dare. Because remember, like Clint Eastwood and and uh, Richard Burton are all dressed up as uh, Nazi officers, and they're just you know kicking it in German and okay. just, and, and, and selling everything. Now, naturally, them being American movies, nobody's speaking German. All right, they're right. all speaking English, and we're supposed to just know mm-hmm. they're speaking German. And and so, what should be the most greatest element of suspense can they pull off the german yes inside of a room full of motherfucking nazis it's so great it doesn't exist at all in these movies because yeah. well uh, uh english is german and of course they can speak english and the, naturally there's never an issue about sure. their accent but then to not you know but then to do it you know not with a german actor but with a guy doing German, yes. uh, you know, and then uh, pulling it off or not pulling it off. Now, that's a whole element of suspense that I've never seen played out in a movie before. Absolutely. Even though I've seen that scene, like, seemingly a hundred times. Sure. I, I love, I love that because I think it's such an original take. And it also, like, you know, you, 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 you get it there. The other, by the way, this is not related to it, but this is related to accents mm-hmm. and in your films um, in... Uh, in Kill Bill, mm-hmm. when you have Michael Parks yeah, playing yeah. Esteban, yeah, 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 huh? I did not know that that wasn't a Mexican guy. Mm. Uh-huh. I mean, he—he he was terrific. But like, I I appreciate it so much mm-hmm. as an as an audience member. Yeah, 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 watching this guy speak, and you're like, oh, I wonder what Mexican guy this is. Yeah, this right, actor, huh. he's like so. And then you realize, then came Bronson. <laughs> man, it's crazy because. Yeah. It also takes me out of other movies mm-hmm. when you have um, somebody half-assing the accent. Yeah, yeah, right on. You know, and I'm like, yo, man, like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Like, it ruins the scene. It ruins yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. dialogue. Uh-huh. I mean, I was watching, what was it, House of Gucci? <laughs> they were like, <laughs> they're like doing- Mamma me. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen it, so I'm not making fun of that movie. But, it's uh, dog uh, shit, yeah, yeah. but he-, he uh, but like the actors are like, I mean, they're all big actors, but they're going like, uh, I'm, uh, I I want these to work out. I'm dad. Are you sick? And like, it's, it's in the same scene. You're just like, yo, man, you just dropped the accent. For oh, this they film. did. <laughs> yeah. And you're just, it's like the whole accent just dropped. I don't know. Parks was unbelievable yeah, yeah. in that part. Well, that's an actually an interesting story about how that came about. Cause you know, Michael Parks is actually one of my favorite actors and I already cast him in the movie. He was, uh, you know, plays the Texas Ranger. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so we always have a big, uh, you know, a, a big day in our movies is when I have the, the script reading. We all get together. The, the actors have been cast. We're getting ready to start production maybe in a couple of weeks. And then we get together with the uh, actors and we just all sit around a table and read the script. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very important day for me because that's like the closest to me actually seeing the movie finished yeah. before I start shooting the movie because you get it. Get it? I'll get it. You know, you, you, you know, the first time I heard the heard the script with the actors that are going to play the roles, all kind of doing the thing. I get a sense of the movie, and um, 
and so the thing is you have a bunch of actors and um maybe not everybody is there so like oh hey you take this role hey uh, you read this one mm -hmm. and um i had actually had cast ricardo montalban to play esteban to play esteban and um and he couldn't make it so uh so when, uh, so Michael was there because he was uh, playing the Texas Ranger. So mm -hmm. he did the Texas Ranger role. And then I threw something else at him and threw something else at him. And then I go, hey, Mike, would you take, would you play Esteban? He goes, yeah, sure. And he did such a fantastic Esteban. At this table read. Yeah, at this table read. It was, it, you know, it just stole the show. It was just great. And there also is this aspect, as as wonderful as an actor as Michael Parks is, he was always cast inside of his own persona mm -hmm. to Wonder Granite. You can take your own persona a zillion different ways, but he was never cast to be somebody completely different. Sure. I mean, like a complete other type of humanity mm -hmm. than who he was and talk in a completely different way than the way he talked. But here he was doing it. And I always knew he was a fantastic actor, that that would be, this could be fantastic. This, he's, never been, he's never been given an opportunity to do a character like this. Yeah. So we paid off uh, Ricardo Montalban and I, uh, I cast Michael instead. God, that's got to suck to get that call. <laughs> that's got to <laughs> suck so bad. Well, his ass should have been at the fucking table yeah, read. Right? Been, uh, yeah. You know, if he yeah. had someplace better to be, then, uh, well, we have someplace better to be too. <laughs> And it's with my, Michael Parks, motherfucker. Yeah, Michael Parks. Yeah. It wasn't Michael Parks wasn't too busy. Jesus. There you go. <laughs> um, I worked. I worked uh, on a movie where I think it was like was it the hair guy? I mean, I love hair, but I was mm. in the hair chair or something. Uh -huh. And he was he. I think he had done all. He had been on all your films at that oh, point. Huh. And um, so I was like, oh, what's it like to work on a Quentin mm -hmm. films? He goes, he loves to shoot, man. Mm -hmm. He loves to shoot. <laughs> he said, you guys were down. I think shooting that. For months longer. Which one? Uh, the I think the Kill Bill, whatever you filmed in Mexico. Okay. Uh -huh, yeah. yeah uh -huh. But you but you don't really love to shoot. But you love to shoot. You shoot film. You still do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh -huh, yeah uh -huh. And does anybody else do that? But yeah, Christopher Nolan does. You know. Um, but it's just Paul, a Paul handful, Thomas, right? Yeah. It is. It is a handful. Yeah. It sounds like a handful of the highest level. Yes, actors. exactly. It's a handful <laughs> of the best. <laughs> of the best. So the best guys <laughs> shoot on film. Yeah. Um, that scene also, by the way, oh, the other coolest fuck thing about the pastor scene is the three fingers. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. It's such a cool little detail. Mm -hmm. um, that just did it just come about something you knew you'd seen. No, it I'd, I'd heard I'd heard about it. All right, and go, hey, well that that's terrific. And uh, it was actually really funny because uh, uh, one of my makeup gals is, um, she's from Iceland, Heba. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's been working with me for, for, God, almost 20 years now. Uh, anyway, so she's reading the script. She got sent the script and she's reading it. And she reads the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, so, well, she's from Iceland. So yeah, they do it like this. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck is he talking about? And uh, I don't get that, you know. So she uh, she goes to her husband, who's American. She goes, uh, "Hold up three fingers," and he goes like this. Goes, Fuck, he's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's so distinct. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's something you never really think about. Yeah, yeah it's something you never think about until exactly. somebody points until it somebody out. Until somebody points it out. It's such a cool thing. Um, when you uh, like, there's a when you what's the um, the Top Gun is gay. Yeah, yeah, scene, uh -huh. yeah, uh -huh. which is yeah, from, a, from a sleep with me. Yeah. Yeah, you wrote that. Yeah, well, me and me and my uh, 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 my buddy Roger Avery kind of. I think Roger came up. Roger did. I don't think Roger did come up with it first. Mm -hmm. But uh, but back when we were at Video Archives, it's it like 
we worked on it. We 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 turned it into a routine. It's because okay. that we did uh, at, at parties. Okay. We did it at parties. We did it at at gatherings. It was just this routine that the two That's of us did together. Feels like a stand. It feels like stand up. Like, yeah, like, it was a whole routine that we did together. And then uh, then I got uh, I I was doing a cameo in this fun little movie that I was doing, and I was just told to pretty much improvise something. Okay. Well, I had that routine ready yeah. to go. You nailed I, it, dude. And so I just like did it, and like uh, that became a thing, dude. It's <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it uh, it reminded me in a way of of in in when in Reservoir Dogs when you go on about like a virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's the yeah, same. Yeah, it's, it's in the they, same. It's in the same vein. Yeah. In the same vein, and it feels like you know, as like a stand up, you go like, oh, this feels like a yeah, like yeah, a, a, routine, like a, a yeah. good bit, a good like, bit. Yeah, yeah it's a good no, that bit. would that would definitely be part of my five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> building up that good five minutes, <laughs> dude. You'd crush with that. You'd crush. Um, I know this is probably. A, I mean, I don't know if this is tired topic to you, but you know, like it. it there's so much made about uh, like race when you when you like every time I, go, I if I go pitch now, mm-hmm. do you know they're like, um, who's this character? And you're like, that's the friend. They're like, is are they Indian or something? And mm-hmm. you're like, I, I mean, I don't know. Sure, should they be? Mm-hmm. And they're like, it would be better. <laughs> um, and you're like, okay. And it fe- it feels like it's so forced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. in yeah. in into into these conversations that you well, but that's but that's not even new i mean there is the thing about like we watch what was it i think you got mail i think it's you got mail all uh-huh. right okay, so uh that's the tom hanks yeah tom hanks and uh meg ryan movie yeah. and he's like sort of like the uh the vice president of like barnes and noble uh-huh. or something like that but his best friend is dave chappelle <laughs> yeah yeah okay. Where's the world yeah. where the vice president of Barnes, Barnes and Noble's Noble, yeah. best friend is Dave Chappelle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 and it's what makes, but it's almost yeah. like back to that studio guy being like, yeah. well, I feel better. Yeah, no, it is. Well, it's exactly what that is. Yeah. Okay. For different reasons. Right. But it's this, yeah. But it still is a thing today where even when you, like I said, every time I've gone in to pitch something, mm-hmm. they're like, well, like, so this, this person's Latin and this is Asian and the, like, they're like, great. Now we're good to go. And you're like, oh, yeah. like that. Well, I don't have to play that bullshit. No, you don't have to do any of that <laughs> shit. Um, you feel like uh, any of. But, I mean, I have a, you know, uh, I'm actually quite known for writing my black characters. All right. But I'm yeah. not going to, you know, but it's like, well, no, if I wanted him to be black, I would have made him black. If I wanted him to be Mexican, I would have made the character Mexican. Did you get pushback back then, though, about no? No. Uh. Um, and. And. Was was a were studio was it receptive? You already obviously a huge success with Django, but was mm-hmm. that were they like this is too much? This is too crazy? No, the studios were lined up. They all wanted to. They, they, all wanted they were it. fighting. They were fighting for it. Fighting for it. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't too. No, no. It was. They were fighting. They were fighting to get it. Wow, that's pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you too is that so I'm my favorite genre of films to watch. Like if you if like if we walk to a mm-hmm. the, the theater and mm-hmm. you're like. 10 movies out I'm always drawn towards thrillers yeah 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 that's just what I enjoy the most yeah I like them yeah they're fun Um, it's like my my wife too she doesn't like horror movies but she loves thrillers I love thrillers Mm -hmm. Um, what is like a Quentin recommended you know couple thrillers because I'm imagining I have definitely have not seen everything you've seen um, that you would well if you're going to try and have me pick something that's like that's awesome completely off the beaten track Uh, sure uh, um Okay, I got one. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, when you say that to me, a thriller, or you, like the first things that come to my mind are something like Dress to Kill or Fatal Attraction or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, 
But a, a cool one that's off the uh, that you might not have seen. That's a that's really good, and it actually stars an actor I I don't like at all, but he's actually pretty good in this movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, is um, uh, um, a film directed by Curtis Hansen, who later did a uh, 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 L.A. Confidential uh-huh. called The Bedroom Window. The Bedroom Window. Yeah, it was like in the late '80s. It was done. It was done for Dino De Laurentiis, uh, a company DEG, the, the same company that did. Uh, um, 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 Blue Velvet and Raw Deal and things like that. Um, and it's a kind of a Hitchcockian rear window kind of redo. And uh, it's with uh, uh, Steve Gutenberg and Elizabeth McGovern, who's fantastic in the movie. She steals the movie, but also Isabelle Huppert, who's who's wonderful in it too. Wally Shawn has a magnificent cameo in it that just brings the house down. It's a really, really fun thriller. Okay. It's very Hitchcockian. It's, it's meant to be like a Hitchcock homage. Were you a big Hitchcock guy? Or not, not a Hitchcock fan. Really? Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me, because I would imagine, I, I think you talk to most people who go like cinema is everything, that mm-hmm. he's like, you know, he's one of the- He's icons. one of the greatest directors who ever lived. Yeah. I'm not, I think he was held back by the times that he worked. I, I, I think his movies, uh, I normally don't like the third acts of his movies. Now, some of them, I do. Well, Strangers the, on a Train has a magnificent third act. The third right. act of thrillers is the like well all but like especially thrillers. Yeah, yeah. but I do think that they all they all have they all they, oftentimes oftentimes this is just my opinion. They oftentimes they 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 peter out and he's not quite able to end them like you know the way I think he would have if he was coming if he was if he was the age he was in the fifties in the seventies I think his, his his I would I would appreciate his films more. Uh, uh, I think the, you know, he's held back by the Hayes Code. I think he was really, j- truly held back by the Hayes Code. Now, at the same time, he was a clever little bugger. All mm-hmm. right, so because he uh, 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 he could use the Hayes Code against their own selves from time to time. Uh, one of my actually favorite Hitchcock endings seems to be a compromise forced on him. But then he subverts the compromise. There's a, a there's a, a an expression in Hebrew called fukulafuk, which means like a reverse on a reverse. And he kind of does a fukulafuk mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Suspicion. If you've ever seen Suspicion, it's with no. uh, Cary Grant and Joan Fontaine. And the whole idea is Joan Fontaine is thinking she's married this cad played by by Cary Grant, and little by little she starts thinking that maybe he's trying to kill her. Mm-hmm. And little by little we're thinking, oh. He's trying to fucking kill her. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's going on, it's going on, it's going on, it's going on. And well, naturally in the original script, yes, of course he was trying to fucking kill her. But then the Hayes goes, no, no, we can't do that. You can't have uh, 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 Cary Grant uh, uh, actually be a killer. Uh-huh. So at the end, it has to be explained that she, she was wrong. That, uh, that, uh, uh, no, no, he wasn't trying to do it. It just, it, it, it looks suspicious, but no, it's just, she's wrong. She's wrong. He, he, he wasn't trying to kill her at all. So that plays out. That plays out and like, it looks like, you know, he's taking her to the, these, the cliffs of Dover to throw her off. And then she confronts him. You're trying to kill me. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm not trying to kill you. <laughs> but you did this. Well, here's the reason why I did this, you know. But and I, it's plausible. Yeah. Well, no. more, I, I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it seems like dick sucking as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. They get a beautiful gift and you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The only tricky part, figuring out how to get the perfect piece 
at the best price. This is what I recommend for any jewelry purchase. Source it from BlueNile.com. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer a peace of mind with every purchase with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions and give recommendations for every budget. The thing about buying jewelry is you really don't know what you're getting into. You don't know what you're looking at often. And the great thing about working with Blue Nile is you have somebody who's a true expert that can help guide you along the way so you don't feel lost, so you know what these diamond grades are. You know you're getting real value. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. And just in case you don't, they offer 30-day returns. Shop Blue Nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. And I'm Elna Baker. And we have a new podcast. It's called Pretty Sure I Can Fly. Yep. We've teamed up with my friends and barmates from Smartless to create a podcast where we talk to folks who have more balls in a bowling alley. People who accomplish something extraordinary despite people telling them that it couldn't or shouldn't be done. You'll hear stories about the Air Force doctor who buckled into a 600-mile-per-hour rocket sled and became the fastest man on the planet. And a man who wrestles alligators and sharks for fun. Do not do this. <laughs> You'll hear about a foul-mouthed moonshiner. Got a two-inch dick and a six-inch tongue and knows how to use both of them. <laughs> and an even more foul-mouthed female stunt pilot. We got bull riders. Balloonists. Bobsledders. And big wave surfers. People who lay their balls on an anvil and hand the other fellow the hammer. Okay. I bet you've actually done that, Johnny. Maybe for sweeps. Follow Pretty Sure I Can Fly on the Wondery app. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Pretty Sure I Can Fly early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. You know, uh, they're trying to talk themselves out of the corner that they painted themselves in. I find it completely unconvincing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. But she doesn't. <laughs> and uh, the movie seems to wrap up. And then they get in the car and they drive home. So apparently everything's fine. And Hitchcock ends it with this shot like they're driving a roadster a convertible roadster Hitchcock ends it with this shot behind them and he's driving and she's in the passenger seat and like everything seems okay and in this really creepy way Cary Grant puts his arm around like oh shit he's gonna kill her yeah he's just talked he's just talked his way out of it oh nice alright he's just yeah. talked his way I mean, once he gets her home he's gonna fucking kill her <laughs> Now, they don't say that. Right, right. But it's kind of implied by the creepiness of the last shot. I'm going to watch this tonight. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a good movie. It's really Sus- good. Suspicion? Suspicion. Oh, man. I'd love to do that. To and he's fantastic. And Cary Grant made a great villain. He should have played villains more. He's, yeah. he's a magnificent villain. Yeah. He, I mean, they did a, so many films together. Yeah. I feel uh-huh. like he did like a dozen. Yeah, he did a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so a lot has been made about... Um, I know you're gonna you're gonna continue writing, right? You yeah, like uh-huh. you enjoy writing yeah, now, yeah, uh-huh. but you're still I always you, enjoy well, writing. Well, you enjoy writing, but I'm saying you're gonna write more <laughs> yeah, books. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. Uh, but you're still you are gonna do one more film. Yeah, I got one more. Yeah, um, written yet or no, no? No, I haven't even thought about it yet. Really? Yeah, yeah. Man, well, I just finished a book. I know, <laughs> I know. But that's so exciting that you're gonna do one more. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. Um, no, I, okay. Mm-hmm. So you'll just take your gem, like uh, the, uh, the sorry the. Uh, just a little idea seed and just sit down with your pad, get to it. How long does a movie take to pour out of you normally? 
oh, I don't know. Well, I just have to come up with, one, I have to be ready to make another movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then I have to have a neat idea. And then, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not in any hurry to make my last movie, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Sure. So, um, uh, you know, so whenever that idea comes up, you know, I'll probably start writing it. And like I said, I'm in no hurry on in, in, in that regard, especially right now, because I don't even know what I'd be writing it for. I don't even, you know, do movies the way I have always known them? Do they even exist right now? I think that remains to be seen. Sure. And so I, I kind of would like to know what I'm writing it for, what's going on, what what is the deal? There's this theme that has hap- uh, occurred in a, a few of your last few films, mm-hmm. which is kind of a fantasy revenge endings, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Because Inglorious Bastards has yeah, yeah, it. Uh-huh. Django has this like revenge. Yeah. Well, revisionist history. Revisionist, I think sure, sure. It, yeah. And then Once Upon a Time. Yeah, three of them have it, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah that's that's sort of my revenge, that's sort of my- uh, Your revenge trilogy? Uh, well, not my revenge trilogy, my, my revisionist history trilogy. Okay, okay. Um, but like you, do you feel like that's something that you would be drawn to still? Or well, not? since I don't know what I'm going to well, do for yeah, the yeah. next one, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. But I don't think I would do that for the last one. I, I think, like I said, I think- I had I had no problem doing it with uh, uh, the Manson one because I was just like, well, well, well that's my rev- that's my revisionist history trilogy. Yeah. So I think you know that's that's that. And you picked is ten for you like a special like you know people some people have these numbers that they're like you, this would be your tenth film. Yeah. Is it ten for or just you just feel like one more is all you want to do? Uh, well, I think ten's a good number. Okay. So yeah, it I, is. I think ten. Yeah. T- uh, 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 also, I'm at that point where I think okay, it's ready to. Uh, bow, bow off the stage. Leave them wanting more. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 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 don't make any left-handed movies. Don't make any movies for the wrong reason. Don't don't muddy up uh, 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 muddy up my filmography with a bunch of out of touch old man movies. Is that hard to do though? What is that hard to do to 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 say that? Like you know what I mean? To go like. I mean, I imagine as a filmmaker, a lot of them you go, I'm just going to keep making movies forever, you know? Like, well, I it, think that's what most of them want to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. But is it hard? Uh, uh, what, to make movies forever? To No, to say, to have the perspective of like uh, one more and then it's a great catalog and I walk away. Is it hard to leave it? No, I, I, well, I don't think so. I mean, because I've, I've done everything I wanted to do. Okay. I've done everything I wanted to do. I mean, uh, uh. I've had just an amazing career. I've had an uh, 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 amazing amount of luck, amazing good fortune. Um, and uh, I had no idea that the audience would, uh, in fact, if I had to guess, I would guess that the audience wouldn't have accepted my movies. Really? Uh, and that ended up not being the case. And, and I've been able to work at, uh, in this business at the highest level. At the highest level, a, a director can... Uh, can uh, can work, and uh, I want to leave at that high level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I want I want to leave where uh, a new Quentin Tarantino movie uh, coming out is an event, mm-hmm. and the people who like my stuff and who follow my stuff, and even uh, that like no, they want to see it and they want to see it opening night. Right. And uh, I don't want to just be that. I'll go. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember when I was so into him. Yeah. I yeah. remember when I was so passionate. I remember when I had that shit on my wall. Right. You know. I remember all twenty five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know. And uh, I mean, you know, not. I mean, look, he's fun and everything. You know, but he's an old man, and yeah, it's yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. 
The, and he's out of touch, and and uh, he, he has no idea who the new filmmakers are. He has no idea the new movies are out. Now he's just doing his own thing. Would you continue to produce and stuff though? Or I don't like producing. I'm not a. I, I if I'm if I'm not making a movie, I don't want to fucking make a movie. Okay. All right. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to like. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, 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 making movies are hard work. If I'm not making it for me, I'm not interested. <laughs> so it would really be back to like writing. The- well, look, I could do a TV show or something like. Oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could do a TV show that that, that would be different, you know. Uh, uh, I could do that. Um, Get ready to back up a Brinks truck for Quentin. Man. <laughs> I mean, these checks are big these fucking yeah, days, know, yeah. dude. <laughs> Holy shit! You just put the feel. Your agents are jerking off right now in the other room. <laughs> they were like, "He does." Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let something out of the bag right now. Uh, 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 I won't say anything about what it is or whatever, but uh, uh, I have written a TV show. I've written eight episodes, all right, of a limited series. I've written all eight episodes. I'll, I direct all eight episodes. Uh, I need to do a polish on it. Uh, but, you know, that might be what I, like, uh, start setting up next year. Dude. Can I just, can I read, please? Can I just get a, can I read for you? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Hey, he's, it's on camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. And you signed a contract. You don't realize what you signed. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you have a fucking eight episode limited series? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's so exciting. And it has not, you have not sent it No, out. no, no one, uh, no, I like my agents, my, my agents read it and like uh, a couple of people uh, will be working on it as producers. They're the only ones that have read it. This is breaking news. Yeah, it is breaking news. Holy shit. Guys, put this shit out right now. <laughs> Fuck, man. Um, does it? Do you ever do, like? I know this is like a thing that when people get so successful that you must be asked it. But do you ever stop and go like, "Holy shit!" Um, like your, you know, your name is a reference. Yeah, yeah. You know, if like somebody picks up a camera and goes, "I'm going to go shoot this," and we go, "Okay, Tarantino." Yeah, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> right? like you're a reference. Yeah, yeah. Is it wild to you? It's awesome. It's 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 amazing. Look, I like. It's what I always wanted. I mean, not that I, I, and I always thought I would get it. If, if I was able to get work at all, mm-hmm. that was the question. Right. <laughs> uh, 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 and that was a question I didn't know the answer to. But if things were to work out, I thought I would have some level of this success, but to actually have the level of success I had and be able to hold on to it. Yeah. Uh, for 30 years where, you know, I came up with a lot of different people, but they all kind of have, not all of them, but a lot of them have uh, uh, kind of fallen by the wayside. Not all of them. Rick uh, Rick Linkletter is still out there working, doing good. But a lot of other people have, uh, 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 you know, I, I thought we would all be working together, uh, you know, into our old age. But that's just not really how it works. No. And you know, in town. Well, that's the thing that I think yeah. the longer that you do anything mm-hmm. in entertainment, mm-hmm. the more you, you appreciate more than anything is the longevity of somebody's Like when you yeah, go, yeah. you've been doing this for 30 years. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, uh, you know, at, and at the, a high yeah, level. And, and to be at, yeah, well, and, and that's the, and that's the key. You just, as far as I'm concerned, you just said the key right there is to be able to work at this level. Yeah. I'm not working at a lower level. I'm not working at a, you know, if I want to do, uh, a four million dollar movie. That's my choice. Right. I'm not reduced to yeah. doing four million dollar movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, you fucking. I, I thought about you. You inspired me to do something. Uh, you were a big part of the inspiration, which mm-hmm. was I heard you say, you know, just go out and go out and make yeah, something. Yeah. Right on. And um, yeah. So me and my friend 
uh, Rami Hashash, we got together mm-hmm. and um, spent my own money. We shot mm-hmm. uh, a proof of concept for a show. Oh, wow, good deal. Yeah, you know? Good for you. So, like, but, like, it, I would hear, I, I remember you saying this yeah, yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. Because, like, you can just do that. Yeah, yeah. You can just do that now. You just I mean, go for it, yeah. And now you can do it. You know, before yeah. you had to... Okay, we gotta get a cinematographer. We gotta oh, we get did. a camera. No, we it, gotta... it cost me more, way more money than I ever thought I would spend in my life. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but but we still did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> they lied to me yeah, yeah. about how much it would cost. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but then now you're committed. Yeah. Now yeah, you're yeah. there. You're committed. Okay. Yeah. What the fuck? It's like yeah. uh, building a house. Yeah. Well, I could have <laughs> okay, bought it. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like building a house. Okay. It's yeah. going to cost more and it's going to take way fucking longer <laughs> yeah. than they ever say. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> It's like the money pit. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what it is. And then I get calls about, well, now we got to get more for this. And I was like, I yeah. thought that was the budget, bro. Yeah. I thought yeah. the budget was the budget. Yeah. And they're like, nah, you got to write another check. <laughs> but thank you for helping me spend all that money. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought of you so much in that. <laughs> uh, I remember- give you give you a hole in your backyard to throw money into. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so much fuck. Like people, I mean, it's amazing now with technology mm-hmm. that you really can go shoot something yeah, yeah. for not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But if you want to spend the money, you can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you if you look in the right places, you yeah. can spend the money. I remember. Uh, uh, we were working with a, a car guy and we had a car and we wanted to change something in it. Yeah. That would, uh, and uh, uh, to make it operate differently. I think, I think we were trying to like take a, can we take this car and for the, our purposes in the movie, can we, can we take the, uh, uh, it's a stick shift. Can we make it an automatic? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is that, is that possible? And then the car guy goes, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Oh, how would you do that exactly? Well, you open up the hood, and then you take a bunch of money, and you stuff it inside. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and, and then it works. And then it works, and yeah. now you got your automatic. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking cool, man. Thanks. How much? All the money. That's yeah, the answer. I think a lot, a yeah. lot of money. All the money is what it takes. Um, <clears throat> are you a fan at all? Because I don't know what it's like on set with you, but do you give people or do you ever do improv takes with, with your actors or is it like from time to time? Yeah. Cause I, I heard, and I don't, I, I've not heard the story firsthand, heard it secondhand that Leo losing his shit. In his trailer. Yeah, what, what, yeah. What happened there was I, I knew I wanted to have that scene, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to write it out. I didn't want it to have to be dialogue. He remembered, mm-hmm. uh, so I got Leo and I was like saying, so look, here's what I want to do. I want to, uh, um, I want to ha- I want, I want you to come in, have thing fucked up on set, not knowing your lines. And I want you to come in the trailer and have a whole mad anger at yourself, d- detest fest, uh, uh, a complete tinder tantrum against yourself mm-hmm. and, uh, a, a whole detest fest on you and just, uh, you know, just a gigantic pity party where you just lose your shit. Yeah. But against yourself, nobody else, just you. And nobody else sees it, just you. And I want you to, uh, uh, and I, I want it to have the randomness of an improv. It just, it just comes out of you. Now, what I did do though, is I gave him different subjects. <laughs> he could rant about mm-hmm. different things. So, okay, well, here's a subject. Here's a subject. Here's something you could say. Which helps. This yeah. helps. Yeah. 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 Here's something else you could say. Here's something you could say. And uh, so I gave him some subjects. I gave him some some bullet points. 
and even a couple of a couple of pieces of lines. All right, that he could go on, and uh, uh, and he goes great. Okay, and he was a little nervous. He was nervous. He was he was, he was like you know kept. Uh, uh, it was actually very cute that he was really he was he was nervous that day because uh-huh. it's on him, and he knows that. And uh, so we're shooting in this scene, and I'm like right by the camera as we're shooting. And uh, so he's doing it and we just do a few different takes and it's, it was great. And then from time to time, uh, if I thought he ran out of something, I could throw yeah. something his way. Okay. Talk about that little girl. Yeah, that fucking little girl looking at me like yeah, that. Yeah. She's judging me. Who the fuck is she to judge me, man? Fuck yeah. that little girl. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then Jim says, yeah, fuck that fucking Jim Stacy just sitting there looking at me, laughing at me. <laughs> Fuck that dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fun. It's fun to get the the to be able to riff with the with suggestions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you were yeah. able to give yeah, suggestions. Yeah. Do you feel like, by the way, that there's I don't know, way uh, there's less movie star like about like name sells tickets now. No, well that, that's definitely the case. So because there's like five. Yeah. Real movie stars. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely the case. And you put like three of that. Like, they'll <laughs> yeah, all do your movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's uh, uh <clears throat> no. I mean that that is one of the, uh, and I'm not even putting them down, frankly, to tell you the truth. But that is one of the the legacy of the marvelization of Hollywood movies. Yeah, where it's uh, you love these movies, these Marvel movies. I don't love them. No, I don't. Love I know. Them. All right. I don't I hate them. All right. But I don't love them. All right. Uh, I mean, look, I used to collect Marvel comics like crazy sure. when I was uh, a kid. And so there's an aspect that if these movies were coming out when I was in my 20s, I would totally be fucking happy uh-huh. and totally love them. I mean, they wouldn't be the only movies being made. They yeah. would be those movies amongst other movies. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, no, I'm almost 60. So yeah, no, I'm not quite as excited but about them as- Can as, I tell you the thing? Uh, I mean, for me, I don't have your level of, of knowledge of mm-hmm. cinema, but mm-hmm. as a film go, or somebody who likes movies, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, what's exciting about a movie mm-hmm. is usually some element of surprise, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. And what you see, what I've seen in a lot of these films is that it is just a carbon copy, essentially, of mm-hmm. the previous release. Like, mm-hmm. You, you're never taken somewhere you don't expect well, in the film. Yeah, well, look, I'm not here to rag on those, yeah, you know. Is, so it's like, you know, I, I don't have any, my only ax to grind against them is they're the only things that seem to be made. Making, yeah. And they're the only things that seem to generate any kind of excitement. Right. Amongst the fan base or just, or even like uh, for the studio making them. Mm-hmm. All right. That's, that's what they're excited about. True. And, uh, you know, so it's just the fact that that they are the they are the entire representation of yeah. this era of movies right now. Right. And there's not really much room for for anything else. Yeah. That's my problem. And they do like billion dollar box offices. Yeah, yeah. I and- mean, yeah, but that is that is literally my problem. It's a problem of representation. Okay. Uh, but uh uh you know, but 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 to go back to your uh, initial question, part of the marvelization of Hollywood is yeah, no, it it's the um you have all these actors who have become famous playing these, these parts, characters, yeah, yeah. but they're not movie stars. Right. Captain America is the star. Right. Thor is the star. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not the first person to say that. I think that's been said a zillion times, you know, but, you know, but it's like, you know, it's the, these, these franchise characters that become, become a star. Uh, personally, I mean, this is my own thing is just that I, 
have gone to these movies and mm-hmm. you just go like, yeah, it's a, it's another, it's just, it, it's not that different from the previous film. Yeah. There's just new, there's some new well, effects. Before, you know, well, before though, okay. You know, okay. Here's a better way to say it. It's like, you know, before, um, you know, even 2005, 2009 or something like that. If an actor stars in a movie that does as good as the, uh, the Marvel movies do, well, that, that guy's a new star. Sure. They're an absolute star. And that means that people di- dig him or her. Yeah. And they like them and they want to see them and stuff. And then, then they, you know, uh, Sandra Bullock is in Speed. Right. All right. And everyone like thought she was amazing in it. All right. She was charming as hell. Everyone fell in love with her. And so, you know, even she does a couple of uh, mediocre movies after that, The Net and something else. Okay. Well, people went to see it because they, 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 they were like excited Sandra by Bullock. Sandra Bullock. They want yeah. to see her in something else. And she's good in those movies. Yeah. You know, but that's not the case now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the case. No, no, no. We want to see that guy playing whoever, Wolverine or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck another one. Um, was there anything in the last few years, movie-wise, that you're like, I've really enjoyed this film? I've seen a few things, but I don't really want to talk about new stuff. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, just because we're doing this book? No, because I just don't like to talk about new stuff. Really? Yeah. Well, why Why the Well, because I don't want to say anything bad about anybody's movie, because that's me like attacking them almost okay. like an ambush. And I'm not here to cheerlead for anybody else's shit either. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Okay, fuck your movies. <laughs> All right, we'll do quitting movies only. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. They no, but that's part it. of the thing, though, is like, you know, yeah, well, yeah, directors no. can't talk about bad about anybody else's stuff. That's unfair. And so everything is about cheerleading. I'm fucking tired of cheerleading. No, hey, man. I, there was a. There was, Even on my podcast, okay, we don't, we're not choosing movie, me and Roger on the Video Archives podcast. Uh, we're not uh, 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 choosing movies that we love. We're choosing, uh, often we, I'm trying to put movies, Some uh, most of, we w- watch three movies and I try to have at least one of them, one movie I haven't seen so I can watch a movie and we'll see how I feel about it. And you'll, you'll give an honest take on those. Oh, absolutely. But we're not watching new shit. We're watching stuff on VHS. Right. <laughs> so most of those guys are yeah. not working. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, you know, that's like this. All right. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, these movies are all f- over 40 years old. All yeah, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can say whatever the fuck I want. To these, sure. The directors are big boys. They got it. <laughs> no, this reminded <laughs> me of, uh, so George Carlin, mm-hmm. he would, he would bring this, uh, reg- man, this regular, oh, whatever. He's been dead a while. Mm-hmm. Um, he would bring this, uh, regular opener and mm-hmm. people were like, they didn't, they were like, that guy's not that great. And he was like, yeah, it's not his fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what you think of him. <laughs> I thought that was great. I mean, most guys are like, oh, you know, I brought this guy. I want you to. And he was like, yeah, I don't. I, that guy's just filling time. Yeah. Right, you're, yeah. you're here to see me. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. He, so he's not actually going out and handpicking, you know, the best dude. All right. From the club that he <laughs> no. saw in Cleveland. He's all like, right. This guy's just like, while people seat, <laughs> he'll be up there. Go ahead and get a drink when he's done. The real show starts. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so he's not, he wasn't advocating for some, yeah. oh, you need to check this guy out. He's so funny. He was like, fuck Well, that. I remember the, the, the person who would talk about that is when he'd watch, uh, he'd go see uh, 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 Don Rickles. Oh, because yeah. when Don Rickles would, would do his show, 
uh, he would never uh, uh, have a comedian open his show. He would always have like some singer that you've never sure. heard of. Some woman usually go out and sing a bunch of songs. And then he'd come out and rag on her. All yeah, right. You yeah. know? But I mean, you expect Don Rickles to rag on you. All right. He goes, okay, then she came out there. Apparently she thought she was doing a live album. <laughs> Rickles, Rickles would you know he would he would lay into everybody. Yeah, yeah. So you can I mean some. Of now he st- laid into me a couple times. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good ones. Oh, they were hysterical. Yeah, he was so fucking funny, and he was uh, he was with the the Dodgers one time, and this fucking <laughs> Dominican baseball player he comes up. He's like, "How's it going? How's the language treating you? Your wife's still cleaning hotel rooms?" <laughs> yeah. And he like sends her on it, sends him on his way. But I had uh, I know somebody who went to see him live uh-huh. and they were so excited and they wanted to get yeah, yeah, yeah. lit up. All right. Yeah. So they put on like goofy glasses. Oh yeah. So he would point it in the eye. And, and they, and like, you know, buttoned up all the way mm-hmm. and they kind of looked like, you know, almost like special needs. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, oh. and he came by and put his hand on them uh-huh. and said, it's going to be all right. They went too far. They went too far. So he saw. I heard, I heard like the Bill Burr, all right, was saying something a little bit like, yeah, he went and saw Don Rickles and he's like excited. Like, hey, he kind of wants to get a little bit there. Hey, Donnie Burr! <laughs> yeah, I know my name. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yes, <laughs> I got one. Dude, it would be so amazing to get. I mean, you got it. You got lit up by him? Yeah, yeah. In uh-huh. person? Yeah. Uh huh. At a show or no? No, 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 no. I just had a party, at an Oscar thing. And uh, it was during this during the time where I was having a bit of a, uh, I was uh, uh, doing more acting and everything, and then he was like uh, saying, uh, uh, he goes, yeah, this kid comes out of the director, and now he's like, oh no no, I don't do that anymore, no 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 no, no I'm going to star in movies. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but not only that, the best one though was this uh, was talk about embarrassing. Literally wanted to hide under the carpet. Um, I was in, uh, speaking of acting, I was like in uh, uh, Vegas. I was acting in a movie in Vegas and it just turned out that uh, during that time, Scorsese was doing uh, uh, Casino in Vegas at the time. And I think Paul Verhoeven was doing Showgirls in Vegas. That They were both simultaneously taking over Vegas doing these movies. And so I had a day off and I'd never really met Martin Scorsese before. And so I got an invite to go visit uh, the set mm-hmm. of Casino. So I'm going to meet Scorsese. I'd, I'd met De Niro before, but I'd never met Scorsese. And now I'm yeah. going to actually go on Scorsese's set and, and he knows I'm coming. So the whole idea is I'm going to come for like uh, an hour before lunch or maybe two hours before lunch and just kind of watch him shoot and all that. And it's, then we would have lunch together. Super excited. No, that's fucking yeah. me. That was great. And so, uh, so they're shooting in some showgirl area. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bunch of showgirls in De Niro. And so uh, Don Rickles is in that movie and he was on set that day. So I'm walking, uh, okay, and I'm like, I've just done Pulp Fiction. I've only done two movies. I'm meeting one of my heroes for the very first time. I'm yeah. walking on Scorsese. I'm going to have lunch with him later. This is, yeah, this is my, yeah, this like, Right up there with, you know, the gates of Oz yeah. opening up and I'm going to meet the wizard. Yeah. So I'm walking to meet the wizard. I'm walking on the set. They kind of see me. And then Don Rickles goes, Quentin, thank 
God you're here. This guy doesn't know what he's doing at all. Thank God a real director has finally showed up. This cat is out of it. Please say this is a disaster. It's a disaster. Please save us from this wreckage. You are a talented man. We need your talent. Oh, my God. Okay, now Marty's laughing. The crew is laughing. De Niro's laughing. I want to hide under the carpet. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So funny. Ah, cold sweat. (laughs) So funny, though, dude. That is so... He fucking... I've told this before. So when I had... I worked with with Norm McDonald. uh And I asked him about the Rickles scene in Dirty Work. Uh And he's like, we couldn't even get... We we only had him for like a few hours. uh And they couldn't get through Uh the scene Uh because Rickles was just making them laugh <laughs> and they're supposed to stay straight. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah he's yeah. just like, uh-huh. he's just busting their chops. Firing him. Firing, firing him. Firing and, they're, him. And, they're, and they're like, we're at the end of the window that we have them. We still don't have it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Literally people <laughs> keep doubling over and they finally get it. And then they, it's like two weeks later, he's coming back for another uh-huh. piece they're shooting. And it's, it's the week that Sinatra is dying in the hospital. Okay. Uh-huh. So Norm's like, uh, you know, it's in the news. So he's like, hey, um, you know, I just want to say, like, I'm sorry about mm-hmm. Frank. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Don, he, Don goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I was with him yesterday in the hospital, you know, and he was all, so he, And he was like, oh, my God. Like, so even then, yeah, he's right. still ripping on his dying friend, yeah, right. you know. Like, he just didn't fucking You know that great, uh, uh, that great Pat Henry uh, 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 joke about... Uh, Frank Sinatra. He goes, yeah, Frank Sinatra saved my life once. These two mafia goons were beating the fuck out of me in an alley. And the Sinatra goes, okay, okay, boys, he's had enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good, too. (laughs) Did you, uh, I I didn't get asked, you mentioned him. Um, Was it a, I'm assuming a dream to book or to get De Niro for Jackie Brown? No, it was wonderful. Yeah, no, it was a big deal. That was also kind of a funny story, too, as far as uh, it kind of matches almost the Bruce Willis story, where uh, uh, I, uh, I wrote Jackie Brown, and I decided at some point in writing the script that Robert Forster would be terrific as Matt's cherry. Don't forget I have a Robert Forster story. Okay, okay cool. go ahead. And so, um, so it, while I'm still writing the, the script, I bump into Robert Forster. We, we went to a same, we went to a coffee shop that was similar, that we went to a bunch. The Silver? Yeah, Silver Spoons. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, that's okay. where my story takes place. Yeah. And so, um, so I decided I'm going to give him the part because I figure, look, if I don't give, this would be a big, big deal part. So if I don't give him the part, then once I'm done with it and, and it gets out in the town, then it's going to be like Gene Hackman's and Paul Newman's and, and people like that that will be pretty hard to say no to. Right. But if I just give him the part right now, I've got the juice to get it through and now I can't take it back because I, w- I you know, that wouldn't be a man of my word. Yeah. So, it, so to lock myself into that decision, I give it to him before I finish writing it. And so then now comes time to do it. And so Robert De Niro reads it and he wants to, uh, uh, and he wants to be in it, but he wants to play Max. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and they go, well, you know, I've uh, look, you would be a fantastic Max, but I want to. I've already given that to Robert Forster, and I'm a man of my word. I, I can't take it back. Now, De Niro is very much a man of his word, so he understands that. Mm-hmm. He gets that. And he's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's just, uh, just, I'm just, it's just disappointing. Uh, uh, it's regretful. I go, what? Go, well, just because, uh, uh, you know, what you were thinking about him. So you wrote it for him. But if we had had more dinners and hung, hung out a little bit more, then you would have been thinking about me and you would have written it for me. And I understand what happened, but I, that, could have been, that could have been changed if we had spent more time with each other before this. Um, and uh, so he kind of gives me the same Bruce Willis thing. Well, think about it. Yeah. Just Think about it for a couple of days, all right? And then, uh, uh, you know, kind of a going, going, gone situation. Think about it for a couple of days and then let's talk again. Uh, like, you know, maybe uh, uh, maybe Bob could play uh, uh, Lewis, the other guy. Mm-hmm. And so then I actually have Bob read Lewis, all right, with me and then read Max. And if that could work, maybe that could work. But it wasn't. No, everything that made him perfect for Max made him wrong for Lewis. And uh, so I get on the phone with De Niro. No, I was in person, actually, with De Niro. And uh, I go, uh, yeah, you know, I, tr- I, 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 we, we, I explored that. But no, everything about him that makes him perfect for Max makes him wrong to play this ex-convict guy. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. I get that. I get that. Okay, so tell me about this Lewis character. I go, you you would consider playing Lewis? Yeah, it's a good character. It's a good movie. I want to be part of it. It's a it's a good character. I, I wanted the other character, but yeah, yeah, this is a good character. I'd be happy to play it. I go, well, you didn't let me know that before. I go, well, I didn't want to let you off the hook. I wanted Lewis. I wanted you. You were on the hook. I wanted you on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> but now, if that ship has sailed, then let's talk about Lewis. Well, and then it and was then that worked out. Yeah, done deal. I um I recognized Robert Forster and it was a cool thing to recognize him because it made me feel like I was recognizing somebody kind of under the radar. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's one thing when you're in LA where you see mm-hmm. fucking Matt Damon or something. You're like, well, yeah, yeah that's Matt no, Damon. No, but it's like, it's like Robert Forster. You see Don Stroud. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm going to that yeah. diner and I see him there and I, you know, he would. He was always there. I, every time no, I went, he was, I he was there every, every day. Yeah. If he wasn't on location, he yeah, was there. I would see him reading a paper. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's Robert Forster. Yeah. And then one day I'm driving by there, and he's stalled uh-huh. in the street. Oh, holy shit! And it's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh huh. Oh. And so I recognize. I start to go by, and I go, "Do you need a jump?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yes." Mm-hmm. And so I get out, and he's very nice and very yeah. thankful. Yeah. yeah. And as I'm, he's like, so what do you do, young man? You know, and I go, I'm a comedian. Yeah, where's the comedy yeah, store? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a comic. And he's like, are you on HBO? And I go, no. 
Mm-hmm. I'm fucking 22, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was like, someday, yeah. hopefully. Like, hope so. right, uh, He's like, where can I see like your stuff? And I was like, I mean, up there at the, at the club. Potluck Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> I have bringer shows where you yeah, can, yeah. I could pay somebody for you to let, let they'll let me do stand up if I pay them. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, so, and then he brought up HBO a second time. He's like, so not HBO. I go, no, man, not fucking HBO. <laughs> And then I jumped his car, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. That was it. Um, yeah, I know you got to run, but uh, it's a real treat. Thank you for oh, my pleasure for, for coming, and uh, congrats on the book. Well, okay, you said you've been reading it for a little bit. All right, uh, where where are you up to now? Um, I don't know. You uh, are talking about going to you've oh the to go to opening the chapter yeah but I didn't read it. I told you that. I know, boy. You were still listening. To I it. was listening okay, to it. So yeah, you've yeah. listened to the open. Yeah. Half of the opening hey, chapter. <laughs> I, I, I got okay, it. Where, where, where in the opening chapter did you did, did you arrive at? Did you okay? Hey, I, I, when you it. listen to it today for the first time, not as today. you drove from your house no, to the to, to the studio today, not today. When you pulled up today, I where was to it? I swear to God, not today. <laughs> and I'll tell you where I am. You're at the movies. Okay, that's where you're at in this one. Uh, you're somewhere at well, the movies. Well, that narrows it down. Well, that is Somewhere. Oh, when I'm watching the Jim Brown movie? Um, yeah, something. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. The Jim Brown movie. Yeah. 19, that's what it's about 19, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. 1970, something like that. You're literally describing the first three pages. <laughs> Look, man, I only go by audio. I don't know what pages mean. <laughs> you are literally describing the first three fucking pages. <laughs> Doesn't take away from the fact that I'm a genuine fan. Okay, yeah, no, no, it doesn't. And uh, <laughs> I, um, I asked good questions. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you um, did. Yes, you did. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to fucking yeah, read yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> um, Could have been a little bit more in depth on the manuscript that I'm here to talk about, but nevertheless, nevertheless. <laughs> Getting roasted by Quentin at the end of this thing. Um, all right, I will read. I now I know own a physical. I wrote a book too this year. Um, can I give you a copy of it? Yes, you may. You, will you pretend to read it? I will pretend to read it. <laughs> as far as you know. There you go. There you go. Thank you very book. much. Six weeks, New York Times bestseller list. Let's hope this makes it go back on. Okay. Um, also, lastly, a lot has been made. Memes, comments, you've leaned into it, you've leaned out. I don't know. A lot of people have talked about it. I have no idea what you're going to say. Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> a lot has been made of uh, in films the uh, representation of beautiful women's feet. <laughs> and hold on. I want to say something. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever said it, but I'll say it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Bert and Tom, Tom and Bert. One goes topless while the other wears a shirt. Tom tells stories and Bert's the machine. There's not a chance in hell that they'll keep it clean. Here's what we call Two Bears, One Cave. No scripts, a bit of booze, amateur partology, dirty jokes, raunchy humor, no apologies. Here's what we call Two Bears, One Cave.